Welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I've got Zach with me. Hello, Zach. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. All right. And once again, we have Paul back because we're still talking football. Uh, Paul, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Not that you're incapable of talking about other things, Paul, but you know. No, that's a that's a that's a fair accusation to make. I have no, <laughs> I have no defense. But uh, you know, we're less than a month till kickoff uh, against the Richmond Spiders, and uh, you know that that August camp is in full force. So uh, some similar themes to what you know Paul and I have already discussed on here, but we're trying to like get some answers to these questions that that, that we uh put out there and uh zach you know i know you were on top of um coach elliott's uh presser today so what uh what are some takeaways of the the conversation around the who's uh as as we're a month out yeah i mean i think you know he, he's done they've done a couple of like open practices to the media i think they're through five total fall camps or fall camp practices so far um, and yesterday was really sort of the first time he talked in specifics, like with um, sort of talking about uh, like battles for for starting spots and position groups specifically. And probably like the, the headline, and I think this is on Twitter and, and, and we wrote about it too on the site, was that um, talking about Paris Jones being sort of the mm. number one back right now. Um, and sort of a lot of that was prefaced with the, the idea of Mike Hollins is just, I don't know if he's like, disappointing as much as just hasn't sort of popped yet mm. um and, and there was a lot of sort of talk about like just how he hasn't quite I don't know w- what the analogy is necessarily but he's just he, he's not like hitting all the details where I guess Jones I mean and, and Elliot even said he said that he told like the entire team in front of everybody like you know Paris Jones number one guy and if he wants a job then right now like he, he's taking it uh, even as a walk-on a guy who walked on four or five years ago so I mean I, I think that that that's something I mean it's probably um, a point to like challenge my college to say hey we're not just giving this to you but I don't I don't know if that if that's sort of a worry or, or more of just sort of like tactics from coaching from coaches in, in in media yeah I mean that's the big question right like is it trying to get a fire under one of the right better running back recruits this team's seen and I think we've seen some flashes of Holland's ability uh in games too but you know it sort of speaks to the well-rounded resume that Talapapa brought to the position and why he held on to that certain role so Paul when you when you look at this quote uh about about Hollins and think about what we've seen from Hollins play or or the type of player he should be bringing what are some potential like holes in his game you know what's going on or what do you think Paris is doing better or what could this mean for for why Hollins hasn't been what who we wanted him to be so far I think Elliot's comments echo some of what was sort of floating around Hollins, even under Mendenhall and, and the old staff was that, yeah, he's an incredibly talented back, but he's inconsistent and has fumbling issues um, mm. that I, there was a, there was video that, that came out from one of the practices that their running backs coach Keith Gaither is, is getting on Holland and he, he makes a catch one handed and you know it, it, they're running some sort of pass set or something. And he makes a one handed catch 
And while the first thought is great, or we have a running back who can make a one-handed catch, Gaither is getting on him. Use use both hands, and, and that seems to be you know we we've seen some fumble issues from Hollins um, that seem to sort of limit his playing time over the last last year or two. Um, and so hearing that there's a little bit of that issue, you know, a lot of times you get, you get somebody, you know, Andrew Brown was this way on the transition from the London staff to the Mendenhall staff, that there was some sort of mental block in place with, with the previous coaching staff. And he credited Mendenhall and the defensive staff that came in with, with giving him his career back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the question of whether there's something, yeah, these we have to remember these are 19, 20, maybe 21 year old kids with with the COVID year. Um, that there's a there's a lot outside the game of football that's going to be going on, you know, in, in that headspace. Um, and just so that's 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 what's worrying to me about mm-hmm. it is is that there is that there's a consistent chain of inconsistency uh that, that seems <laughs> to be in in the coaching feedback on Hollins. So I, I certainly want him to break through. He's the guy that, you know, especially while Ronnie Walker sidelined with, with an injury for another couple of months, right. um, you know, Hollins is, is the easy guy to point to while, while Brown is getting sp- up to speed coming in from Miami. So unfortunately I think it's a little bit of crap or get off the pot for, for Hollins that, that he's got these other guys that whether that's Paris Jones, whether that's the other established experienced running backs, there are guys that are, ready and waiting to that you know if he doesn't seize this opportunity now those guys are going to be coming for it sooner rather than later so i wonder what is it in comparing jones and hollis's game that um right now is making the coaching staff go this guy gives us a better chance at winning than this guy like that's clearly what it is right like it's not like we don't like his attitude or this is you know defer you know i'm trying to make a point that i'm the new coach and i don't care what star recruit you are or anything it's clearly to me this guy right now paris seems like the guy most likely to help us win football games um is there something i mean you mentioned fumbling but like inconsistency like what what is it that they're seeing potentially that means Hollins isn't going to be the guy helping us score as many points as we want to score? Yeah, I think that's, you know, the same way that, that, you know, a coach might look at a quarterback who, yeah, he's going to give you 15 touchdowns, but 15 interceptions in a year, mm-hmm. you know, they'll bench that guy and start the guy that's going to give you 10 touchdowns, but only five interceptions mm-hmm. um, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit of, almost risk averse approach. Um, you know, these are, these are guys with very similar builds. They're both in that sort of five, nine, 200 ish range, give or take an inch or a few pounds either way. Um, certainly we've seen a lot of explosiveness from Jones when he, when he's seen the field and especially return game situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I could see it being that these are two very similar players and we're going to go with the one who doesn't make mistakes or makes yeah. fewer mistakes. Um, and maybe that means we are giving up a little bit of that home run threat in, in Mike Hollins. Um, and for a, a running game, that's been a little bit more abundant. Um, that's a tough call to make. Um, it's a UVA podcast. I can use was, yeah, people, know, people know what we mean. Um, <laughs> dead in the water for our, our tech listeners. Um, but uh, so I, I really, I think that's probably what it is that, that coaches, you know, coaches are former players and players are taught, you know, first thing first, hold on to the ball first thing first, yeah. you know, so I think that don't make a mistake mindset um, could be what could 
be the answer. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'd like to think, think that maybe it's, you know, Paris Jones is, is the next great golden God of the backfield, but um, I, I really do think my, my impression right now is that it's simply, we're going to take the, we're going to give priority to the guy who puts us in fewer bad situations. I also think that makes sense because with this offense, you're not trying to hit home runs with the running backs necessarily. Like they talked about establishing the run, but we also know that the quarterback and the wider receivers are going to be able to make plays in the passing game. Like we're, we're not doubting on, on Brennan's and, and the wide receivers abilities here. That's not why they, they're wanting to do more with, with the running game. Um, obviously the offensive line is a question in the pass game as it is in the run game, but it, it would make sense if, if they're seeing in Holland's sort of, you know, as you said, more risk averse play, it would make sense to say, okay, Paris Jones, you're going to give us the good and less of the bad. Um, even if Mike Collins is, is that high potential guy that, that we all want to see break out, but, but, you know, he, he's, he's got to nail down the, the little things. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense for sure. I, I think um, it, it brings in some of the questions, Paul, you and I are talking about, about the, the focus of the offense and um, the importance of having a little more balance has been well discussed by Tony Elliott, you know, sure. and the rest of the staff sure. too. Um but it's not like the previous offense was shying away from the running back. I know statistically, yeah, they were throwing a lot more than, than most teams do, but Talapapa was a real important part of that offense, even if it wasn't getting the touches that, you know, a bell cow back would on most teams. Um, I wonder where are we going to see like the role of whoever ends up being RB one um, focusing in, in this offense, like, like being more critical for converting touchdowns in the red zone, where it seemed like previous offense, we're in the red zone. We're still throwing the ball, you know, uh, sure. from, from most of the time. So a lot of that might have to do with the O-line. That's something we've talked about significantly. I know um, the coach was talked about like, Zach, what have you heard about, um, you know, the, the, the death chart there shaking out or uh, the health, uh, more importantly. That strong. offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, yesterday, Elliot was saying through five practices, they haven't had two straight days with the same right. set of five or, or at least the same units. Um, I mean, that's what the names that he's saying are are consistent. I mean, he's saying um, he's saying Taylor, he's saying Leach. I mean, he, he says he's really impressed with Jonathan Leach. Um, Johnson, I think Furnish got a mention early on, which are like, it's the same guys. Um, and I mean, he, he's, when he was asked about it, he's, he's sort of, I don't want to say reluctantly, but, but he said he's pleased with the effort. There's improvement. Footwork is better. Um, mm. But I think that's sort of the subtext there is there's a lot of, lot of room to grow and guys have been sick and they, they, they've just been missing some guys. Um, random guys have been out. Taylor just came back uh, right. from, from being out for a couple of days. So I think that that's, it's not a huge deal, but it's also like you only have so much time and this time is pretty critical for this group um, to the point where like, this is where you're going to sort of lay the groundwork with this inexperienced group, getting them the reps together, probably more than anything, more than individual growth is just getting that continuity down and, and, and knowing your five, six, seven guys who are going to be that group and making sure that they're comfortable lined up next to each other and they, they can trust each other. Um, and so I think, 
you know, we're only through five practices. So in a week, things could be in a far different state. Um, mm. So I don't want to overreact. But right now, I think that continuity hasn't quite been established. Um, and that's going to be important to establish moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, that you can't overstress the importance of that. But I do think, you know, Paul, when you when you look at some of these um, quotes from the coaches or things we're seeing in these uh, camp recaps, have, have any has anything started to shake out a little more specifically than last time we talked about how the O-line might look as uh, as far as depth chart goes or or which position XYZ is playing? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of it that is um, almost necessity is the mother of, of yeah. decision at this point. That, that there was the quote, I think it was from from day one, from I think it was both Elliot and Tujay, but at least one of them said, yeah, we've got about seven bodies. Right, right. right. Seven, seven good bodies, and and camp is about developing who's going to be eight, nine, and ten. And I think that was Tujay. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's some of it that – between the combination of guys being sick, a guy, you know, a, a talented big freshman like Mikhail Boley, um, a guy that's 6'4, 330, uh, has spent a couple of days in a boot. So there, there, there's both injury maintenance and and illness maintenance. And I think it's been hard to piece together, you know, specifically who's who's going to be a five. I, I think it is from what I've seen at least, that's that seven that group of seven that you've got sort of Ty Furnish and Justice Johnson are one of them's going to be the starting center almost mm-hmm. certainly. Then you've got the, the leech Logan Taylor, Noah Josie, which I would, I would really like to see the two of them playing side by side because of the same class year. And if they are, we were talking about that continuity um, getting those two guys, if they're ready, if they earn it, there's, there is a, or if it's close, the tiebreaker can be, let's get these two guys together because there's going to have the best chance of having continuity on one side of the line for a couple of years. All right. Um, I would, ex- you know, the expectation, and, and I think this has been reflected in, in both quotes and coverage, you know, videos with John Paul Flores. I, I think he's, right. he's the other that, that I would, I would expect to see um, some in some shuffling of where they fall on the line, probably leech Noah Taylor, Josie Flores and then either Furnish or Johnson um, would would be my my rough guess at this point um, of of who's going to shake out as you know I I just gave six names but I think that's probably your starting <laughs> starting five and a half if, if you sort of split the Furnish and Johnson decision whoever wins that battle um, so and then we'll, we'll see I, I I figure a guy like you know Snoop Amama is at least a year away uh, just sort of given his body composition coming into camp. Uh, if, if Mikhail Boley can get healthy, that is a power five frame on a freshman uh, oh, yeah. that is, is ready to go right now. Um, so hope, hopefully they'll get, they'll get that, that health. Um, you know, it's a little bit hard to, to gauge when, you know, coaches are talking about, oh, they look so much fitter. They look so much stronger. They look so, you know, that's the same quote. Mm-hmm, every coach mm-hmm. says, no, no coach is coming into camp going, yeah, these guys are a bunch of flabby out of shape assholes. Um, <laughs> but um so it's kind of hard to shake out, you know, who, who is actually sort of reshape their body or whatever, but to the extent we're making predictions on who's going to be the starting offensive line, that's about where I would gotcha. go. Well, on the other side of the, uh, the trenches, so to speak, it seems like a hot name um, from, you know, everybody who's reporting on, on these practices is Cam Butler. Um, that's going to be, a, you know, 
familiar, of course, if you listen to uh, us talk about him. But yeah, I think worth talking about him a little more. I mean, the the transfer from Miami of Ohio seems to be uh, locking himself into uh, immediate starter. I mean, he's a grad transfer. This is one year, right? Like, so yeah, come, come yeah. on and take advantage of it. Um, but Zach, can you talk a little bit about like what you heard uh, about Cam? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was one name that, that Elliot was very quick to to compliment yesterday. I mean, he's talked about, I mean, he's front of the line very quickly. He's got a motor, um, very, as you said, very intentional, sort of like coming in with that one grad transfer year. Um, and, and he even talked, I guess the press talked to him yesterday too, and sort of leading by example, but he almost was taken aback by the question a little bit, which you don't see in the quotes is just that mm. like, I think he was more just like, not surprised by the fact that he was doing well, but it's kind of like, Oh yeah, I guess, I, I guess I am a leader for these guys, um, gotcha. which was a bit funny here, but, but also sort of speaks to um, his persona. I think he's just sort of come in and, and worked hard. Um, you know, Elliot talked about sort of his burst and, and just sort of how sort of jumpy he is obviously at the right times. Um, and, and that, that he's just sort of separated himself on that D line. And I think that's fantastic. Cause I think that one of the, keys to improving this defense is from those those grad transfers on, on the deep line and getting production from those guys especially in this defense that's going to be important um and obviously right. i mean elliot also talked about the linebackers and a couple other guys but but butler was sort of his the one guy along with with paris jones that he praised yesterday all right so paul if uh if we're working on uh just getting enough bodies to get a two deep looking good on, on the offensive line. Uh, I feel like we discussed already last time that the D line was sort of in that boat last year, even the, the two years straight where you're, you're, you think it's a little thin and you saw that in the defense taking a step back. Seems like we're getting some good reports, not just from Cam Butler, but also just the, the health and the number of bodies. Maybe a little bit of that factors in that they're not going to play that many linemen at once necessarily, but then you get into the edges or linemen, whatever you want to call them. But talk, can you talk a little bit about maybe the optimism surrounding the defensive line this year compared to last year. Yeah. It's pretty much the exact opposite situation of, of the offensive line, that there is a ton of playable depth among, mm -hmm. among that group um, that, you know, combination of you didn't have as much transfer out as you did among the offensive linemen. True, you didn't have true. as many guys who were, um, uh, graduating there, there wasn't that sort of either senior or experience laden core that found landings elsewhere or just were ready to move on with their careers. And then you had an influx through the transfer portal that, that you get Cam Butler, you get Devonte Davis more as a, more as an interior player from South Carolina. Um, and so all of a sudden you're returning every, pretty much everybody and you've got your development guys who are coming along and you're getting these, these multiple students into the, the transfer portal and there's a lot of depth there. Um, so I, I think that there, that gives a lot of flexibility. We've talked about that's, that's the, the sort of buzzword around the defense and especially around the front seven is flexibility with how they're going to deploy personnel of, of whether that's, you can see almost like a platoon system of, mm. of guys that are um, you can run in a fresh four 
And, and so, you know, a, the starters may be you know, almost like we see with basketball sometimes that, that the starters aren't necessarily the guys who are the biggest contributors because it's, you know, some of it's situational, but it's also trying to get fresh bodies in uh, and you may want to split up some of your best players across sort of a one and a one a uh, among that position group. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a question for you. I, I didn't play football, obviously, if you've seen a picture of me, um, but you did, Paul. Um, if you Not had to rank, well. if you had to rank uh, the like position groups, as uh, obviously endurance is important to anybody outside of maybe punter, right? You know, uh, but the importance of having like a second string come in with fresh legs compared to like iron manning it from your starters who are the best like you got obviously your quarterback plays the whole game some of those running backs out there are going to be the iron man etc i would think d line is one or two as far as position group that you need fresh bodies who can give that like fresh effort constantly you know to keep that going through is that fair to say i think so yeah i I, that that there's so much more of you know, off- offensive line has the advantage of knowing where they're trying to go, and uh-huh. defensive line has to overcome that with effort and explosive ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it is. It's it's a different type of exertion, and a lot of those, a lot of them are trained to be more of the, you know, the, the not marathon endurance, but sprint endurance that right. they can do re- repeated sprints with, you know, a little bit some sort of a break in between. Um, and you know the combination of that, and that's the group of guys that are willingly putting themselves into a car crash every play. Uh, you know that you've yeah. got to have the depth there, both from a endurance playing the the sixty minutes of a football game standpoint, but also just the that's where injuries are going to happen. That's where somebody's going to yeah. going to roll up on your ankle or your knee or go down funny on your shoulder or whatever. Um, and so that's that I, I would I would put it defensive line depth as, you know, pretty much one A if, if yeah. you are you know, one with a bullet, if, if you are trying to establish where it's most important to have depth. Seems um, like when you get into that point in a game where you're watching the game and the announcers say, oh, this team looks gassed on defense. It's because the D line is just getting bullied. And, right. And right. And they're they're pointing they're pointing to the defensive line. Those right. are the guys that have their hands on their hips or, right. you know um and, and teams try and take take advantage of that yeah, that's yeah. that's where you know a team with a smaller offensive line that's more fit running an up-tempo offense um you know preventing substitutions as much as mm-hmm. um you know we, we saw the early state days of sort of up-tempo offense was designed to speed up and and spread out and and get fast and finessey there's a lot of what we've seen from and it seems sort of where Elliot and Des Kitchings both kind of come from is speed to punish is is speeding up the tempo for the purpose of punching you in the mouth over and over and over and over and over again as fast as we can uh, because you're going to buckle before we do uh, and defensive line is definitely where the brunt of that is felt all right well let me pose a question to both of you guys as we have gone through um you know this off season and the beginning of, of summer practice finishing up the spring and you know, the roster turnover that we've seen uh, with transfers and things like that. 
there hasn't been a ton of news coming out recently, but in whatever news or whatever your maybe even just your thoughts about football as, as we get closer and you, you start thinking about cooler weather, what is something that has recently changed for you that makes you a little more optimistic about the football team? And what is something that still remains to be like unaddressed that, that, that you're still concerned about, even if it's one that we've talked about a bunch before. So uh, Zach, if you want to start. Yeah. I mean, I think something that's changed. I mean, I, I feel like things have gone largely to expectation. I'd probably just say, I guess the, the D line, like, like as we've just been talking about, and you know, can't bother stepping up and just sort of the, the validation that those guys have stepped up because I think we've said in the past and, and, and we've looked at guys in the past going in to season and said, Oh, this guy in the D line is going to break out this year. And then not that this is confirmation of a breakout and then it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Um, something that hasn't changed. I mean, the easy ones, the offensive line, I'll probably just go running back just because, it, you know, I think everyone looks at the running back room and sort of like there's potential there, but we got to see it. And I think that, Paris Jones, it's great. Like the, the fact that, that, you know, his, his name is in headlines right now, that's, that's awesome. But it also sort of speaks to the fact that um, someone with maybe high, higher potential hasn't, and that's okay. Like we're only at day five. Cody Brown is, you know, in day five of UVA real football practice, you know, I mean, right. after missing the spring and, and I mean, Ahmad Faustin is out with injury, obviously Ronnie Walker is too. Um, and so guys are just getting caught up, but I think that's probably something that, if with how important and how much emphasis that, that Elliot and Kitchings have put on the run game, the fact that we're not getting more, look at Mike Hollins right now. Like the, the fact that yeah, we're not getting more yeah. of that is potentially something that could be a detriment to this offense, um, especially just because they clearly want to lean on that. And if they don't have those guys step up, cause they're going to need multiple backs, then, then that's something that's, that's problematic. All right. So Paul, same uh, questions. I think the thing that's the, been the most uh, optimistic or made me the most optimistic is seeing uh, there's a lot of discussion about Brennan Armstrong's relationship with Taylor Lamb, uh, mm. the quarterback's coach, and how they're building the offense around what Brennan feels most comfortable with, what he's trying to do, um, that there's a lot more um, player input there um as opposed to what from the outside looked like a little bit more of a rigid system um Mm -hmm. with with you know dr bob um Mm -hmm. running it uh, under mendenhall so hopefully that's that's what making is making me hopeful is brennan really embracing this is not not this is my offense but embracing that leadership role and a complete 360 degree understanding of what the offense is trying to do because what the offense is trying to do has been built with his input to it. I think that's something sure. that I think could be, could be really big as he goes into this year. Um, the thing that I think has probably made me a little bit less optimistic or more concerned is seeing a little bit more generic coach speak from, from <laughs> Tony Elliott. Um, and I know that the, that, that there were people that were very much done with Bronco Mendenhall's sort of quirks and how he, you know, talked about football and all that sort of thing. But um, the, the shutdown full cast, the Spencer Hall and those guys had a a really cool conversation a a week or two ago um, about 
lower school, schools that are not the blue bloods that are not the powerhouses and what they have to do to do things differently and talking about how you know nebraska ran a very different offense than anybody else and that was their identity and they knew how to make it work and there's a little bit of bro this ain't clemson <laughs> yeah. that that you can't just roll out trevor lawrence and travis Etienne and sammy Watkins and go just win football games like that's not what that's not where UVA is at now and it's probably not where it would be in even 10 good years under Elliot mm-hmm. so I, I'm just a little bit cautious about um I'm not saying I'm out on Elliot it's not anything <laughs> like that I just you know there's there's not a one-size-fits-all approach when you're a school when you're trying to go from a Clemson to a Virginia and I'm just not sure how much of that sort of Virginia specific identity or mentality has been developed the idea of what you have to do to win as an underdog, as opposed to what you have to do to win as the Clemson of the world. I like that. That's interesting. Um, definitely something that you know, maybe now what's like, once you hear it, then you'll be like, yeah, I see what, you know, I, 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 I see that in, in further, uh, further interactions. We'll see, or we could, we can just all write off the coaching zap right now. If you guys want to like, you could, I mean, unified. That, is, that is a choice. We're yeah. over it already. I mean, yeah. those those recruiting they, they recruiting haven't won a game. They haven't are... won a game. This coaching staff has not won a game. No. And they lost frankly, Arch I expect, Manning. I expected results. I thought we had I Arch Manning results. in the bag, but clearly this coaching staff couldn't, uh, you know, recruit. Uh, they didn't want it enough. Yeah. So There's only going to be two quarterbacks on the field. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, stop giving me flashbacks to. Uh, Oh, the Virginia Tech game. Okay, um, Zach, I think I think that did a good job of, of wrapping up this week's camp news. But I feel like you were like itching to get some basketball recruiting opinions or opinions yeah. out there. Yeah, some hot takes. I mean, it, unfortunately, there's not a not a ton. Um, <laughs> I think UVA about 2023 basketball recruiting has been a bit of a roller coaster ride um obviously they have one commit in blake buchanan which i'm actually not sure if we've covered that on the podcast um but but center out of idaho sort of projects as a um caden shedrick type but probably with a little bit more offense coming in um he's got he's got length he, he's got shot blocking ability through the roof he, he's you know, he's a big he's, dude. He's a big dude. <laughs> and um, he has a bit of a funky jump shot. Mm. But and, and like the, the weird thing, and I, I know I made the Caden uh, sort of comparison. The weird thing about Shedrick is that his jump shot completely went away once he got to college. Meanwhile, he was hitting 16 footers in, in high school and AAU. Um, and so you'd hope that with Buchanan, they can sort of emphasize that a little bit more. He's got a good back to the basket game. He's got good footwork. Yeah. Um, and sort of he, he exploded uh, sort of early summer, late spring. And, then, and that's when UVA pounced and got him to commit in July. Otherwise, there's really, really probably like three targets that we know uh, sort of like our UVA is legitimately focusing on right now in 2023. And that's shooting guard Elijah Gertrude, uh, 6'3 out of Jersey City. He's he's speedy. He's athletic. He's got really good change of pace and change of speed. And and watching him, he reminds me in a just in a pure sort of like I'm going to change speed to throw you off because I know what I'm doing and you're not type of way of Ty Jerome. He's much faster mm. than Ty Jerome, 
um mm-hmm. but he can get by guys and of course the you know you have the you know competition level in in aau and high school uh sort of highlight videos are, are always iffy i mean but but he's got the scoring ability and sort of that like punch he can stop on a dime and get off a jump shot and, and that's sort of the guy that they look in best position with he's not ranked super high he's like mid like 150 or something somewhere around that uh that'll change and i mean he's got uh you know kansas in his final five along with uva i don't think kansas has actually been trying that hard um and virginia looks like the favorite and then there's um power forward tj power obviously he's sort of the big name right now just released a top five i think yesterday as of recording with duke unc uva iowa and uh powerhouse school up in massachusetts boston college um and yeah i give the hometown team some yeah yeah i i think notre dame was the expected school there but um and i believe it's kind of expected to be a toss-up between uh iowa and the you know three good acc schools um and, and like really nobody knows i think uva had the jump uh maybe a month or two ago but then it, it sort of tightened up. And, and I think he's legitimately looking at doing fall visits. That's not just a talking point. Um, he's rated really highly and, and has one heck of an offensive game. Probably Sam Hauser is the first guy you think of sort of looking at a, a UVA build. And, and then he's got that ability and, and probably is a little bit more athletic or potentially athletic long-term um, than Hauser. So UVA is right. in the race there. And then uh, point guard, would be El Marco Jackson, sort of UVA's last known quantity um, for someone that's going for it, point guard. Um, and uh, Meaning I think, they haven't really like built a lot of offers out there to other Well, they have, and then they all went out Right, places. right, right. Yeah. So, so guys, yeah. they haven't already committed to other schools or bags of money. Right, right. And so I think that's the big worry right now, and that's where all the attention and effort is. Um, it's a problem. Like, it's a, like that. This is like if you're looking at this is the biggest recruitment since like Reese probably just because of how important the point guard position is for Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look back in time when Bennett's gotten his point guard in London Prentes, or you could say kind of Malcolm Brogdon, um, but Ty Jerome, Reese Beekman, Reese is hopefully going to have that, that breakout year this year versus when he hasn't gotten the point guard recruit, I won't say any names, things go differently than expected. And, and I think that sort of we're potentially going towards a um, 2019 class sort of way, just in the point guard um, area. Meanwhile, you know, I mean, if, if you have a class of um, Buchanan, uh, Gertrude, uh, sort of underrated or, or lowly rated point guard, and then some sort of power forward, maybe an international guy that they pick up um, in the spring, it's not a horrible class coming off of 2022. And I think that that's sort of the, the sort of lens you have to look at it from. The problem is that that point guard position was like, it looked like an obvious easy pickup and they had that in London Johnson until he decided to go get paid millions of dollars to play basketball, which, um, which it, isn't, I want to I mean, be very clear. Fair, <laughs> we, fair we are play. pro getting paid. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, I guess. I'm not going to fall. What about Tony guy. Bennett, man? <laughs> like that, like, would you rather have dinner with like, yeah. he could, you know, yeah. Ken mm-hmm. Elzinga's econ class was in front of him in dining hall food or, <laughs> or bags and bags of money which i would choose and so that's sort of the dilemma 
Um, I think there's rumors of NIL money mattering to Jackson. Maybe that was, but I think that, you know, that could be it. He has like, he released a really weird list of schools. Cap Futures, I know you're listening. So, you know, let us know Drop how we can help. Exactly. <laughs> All right. um, but yeah, so I mean, I think 2023 recruiting, you thinking decent um, at this point in time. If they land Gertrude, that's two good players they got um, who might be a little bit lower down on rankings, but are sort of guys who will rise and be better yeah. when they are in their second year at UVA. We should be really happy with both of them. Right. It like they'll, like, they'll develop, yeah. they'll be the sort of like Devin Hall slow burn guys maybe, um, but they'll be good when it matters. Um, and I think that that's probably better than better. Yeah. better. Right. No offense right. to Devin, but no, yeah. no, but yeah. Guys who, who who really pop sort of not right away, but but Devin was really highly ranked. Actually, sorry, anyway, good point. Good point. <laughs> good point. Uh, that I mean, TJ Power is is legit. So right. uh, hopefully they can beat out the Blue Bloods for for him as well. But yeah. that would be that would be if, if UVA got that commitment. Throw the point guard thing out the window. Beating Duke and UNC, um, and that recruitment for i believe uva's highest ranked uh prospect under bennett may, might be right around there with a couple other guys but th- that would be a sign of just you know what that means and and uva has a, a history of having success with guys in that mold um sort of you know like smaller but but scoring fours obviously hunter is, is the best comp but, but that's i mean tg powers and deandre hunter but but the sam hauser types um obviously ben vanderplast right. jaden gardner sort of that type of player um so that 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 would be absolutely huge and if they landed that then who cares about point guard well good stuff we'll stay tuned um all right folks well thanks for listening friends uh we'll be back uh, next week to talk more of course about fall camp and uh get closer to breaking down the schedule uh in future episodes and uh the start of football being right there so for everybody at streaking the lawn uh i'm pierce go hoops.